Stan Smena, one of the top pop singers in Madagascar today. Her sound is rooted in Salegi, dance music from the island's northwest coast. But Stan Smena has retooled Salegi with sassy satirical lyrics and a pumped-up tempo to suit the fast pace of Madagascar's highland capital, Antananarive. Tana, as the locals call it. Hello, Georges Collinet with you on a special hip-dip edition of Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. Today, we take you deep into the heart of Madagascar with a visit to 21st century Tana. We have gorgeous live recordings with roots musicians, young and old, a visit to the Malagasy Cultural Center called Aunt's Show, and to some of the new night spots popping up in Tana these days, including Joe's Pub, owned by Salegi legend Jojobi. That's where we'll sample the newly popular dance music called Kilalaki. Kilalaki, Kilalaki, Kilalaki. That's Kilalaki singer Barin Jaka. We'll also get into some fascinating history and politics with our hip tip scholars and with first hand participants. These days, musicians are running for office in Madagascar, and one of them, the ever popular singer Ross, actually got elected. You won't want to miss our encounter with the deputy maestro of Tana. But keep in mind, Tana is a young town these days. Among the radio stations we visited was RDJ, Radio Nation, or Youth Radio. Mira, a young director there, told us what's in rotation these days. En ce moment, c'est plus dans le genre musique urbaine, c'est-à-dire euh, du rap, de la R&B. Mira says RDJ's young audience mostly favors urban music. That's rap, R&B, little heavy metal rock, and a category they call Tropical. It's a mix of local pop styles like Salegi, Bassessa, and Sapik, influenced by international sounds like Zouk, Coupé de Calais, Congolese music. Here's a taste from another Malagasy pop diva, Black Nadia. triplet beat of Salegi, this Black Nadia number, but also Congolese guitar. Mira told us young Malagasy tend to reject the old styles, or at least to change them up, like this young group, Oladad. Oladad, ouais. C'est une fusion de musique euh, traditionnelle euh, Betsileo. Oladad updates Betsileo music. That's an ethnic group centered in the biggest city to the south of Tana, Fianaransu. Musicians from all over Madagascar come to Tana for opportunity. Oladad's biggest hit reworks the most popular wedding song of the Malagasy Highland, Afindra Findrau. Sandy 
From Madagascar with Oladad. And I'm Georges Collinet with you on Afropop Worldwide's hip deep return to Antananarive, the island's beautiful highland capital. Major support for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities and the National Endowment for the Arts. Okay, time to get back to the roots. That's the valley, the signature tube zither of island Madagascar. Played here by our old friend Radzer. Radzer organized a fabulous showcase of traditional music just for Afropop Worldwide and for you. That's coming up. But first, let's check in with our hip-deep historian Pierre Larson of Johns Hopkins University, a man who spent his childhood in Madagascar. As you know, lemurs, the oldest ancestors of man, have lived here for millennia. People came more recently. Unfortunately, there are no documents to tell us when or how that happened. The uh, earliest inhabitants of Madagascar came both from East Africa and from Southeast Asia. Who arrived first is difficult to know. Uh, historians and archaeologists thought that the earliest inhabitants stretched back no more than 1,700, uh, 2,000 years or so. But recently, there have been some archaeological findings suggesting that uh, there have been people on the island for a significant amount of time before that. It really is an exciting time to be doing archaeology in Madagascar. Duke University cultural anthropologist Margaret Lou Brown. For the longest time, the prevailing wisdom about Madagascar's settlement is that humans didn't arrive to Madagascar until about 500 AD, so that's a very shallow time frame for human population on the island. And that's been tied to stories about the destruction of habitats and the extinction of species. But what we're now beginning to learn is that around 500 AD is when the first larger human settlements, village-type settlements, where people started to practice more settled agriculture, that's when that started to occur. But humans arrived in Madagascar probably much, much earlier. The earliest archaeological evidence now puts humans on Madagascar at about 2000 BC. Mm -hmm. 
that coming together of African and Southeast Asian people lies at the core of Madagascar's story, and it inspired many artists. Maybe you remember when the singer Anch and her band Tarika explored their Asian roots in the album Soul Makassar. On our recent trip, we met a young musician named Tifa, who hears Asian sonorities in Malagasy stringed instruments like the Maruvan and the Jajvotav. He transposed that Asian feeling onto his guitar. What's unique about Southeast Asians in Madagascar is that their language came to predominate. So the language has many loan words from the Bantu languages of East Africa. It tends to be the Austronesian element that receives more attention. But genetic studies of Madagascar do suggest that the population of the island came in relatively equal numbers, both from Indonesia and East Africa. Well, there's a lot more work to do on these origin questions. But we can talk about the people who eventually came to settle in the highlands, the area around Antananarive. It's one of the very densely populated parts of Madagascar. People historically were rice farmers and cattle keepers. There are people who have a conscience of having been a kingdom prior to the French conquest of Madagascar. The French conquest came in 1896, but the Antananarive kingdom that preceded it was one of the most powerful in Malagasy history. It controlled the entire island, particularly under the king known as... Andrea Nampunimerna. <laughs> it's a long name, but Andrea just means king, and Imerina refers to the highland region. These days, the folks in this region are known as the Merina. Professor Larson notes that they have always been a worldly people. They had had visitors from Europe, visitors from other parts of the world, such as South Asians and Arabs, who uh, did come from time to time up to Antananarivo, whether on uh, trading business, sometimes on religious missions of various kinds. And then they were people who were close to the colonial power, who were often the best beneficiaries of colonial education, and who came to prevail in the colonial civil service and the like that gave them a significant political foothold in uh, independent Madagascar. Let's get back to that session at Radzer's new studio. The studio is called the Angaredona, which means a collective effort. We were privileged to be part of the studio's first recording session. Radzer called together a gathering of musicians representing many parts of Madagascar, and we spent the day listening to them, starting with valley master Daniel Ramaroson. Daniel's instrument is not made of bamboo like a typical valley. It's metal and rounded. Uh, looks a bit like a mailbox. Daniel is a protégé of the late Rakutuzaf, perhaps the greatest valley player of modern times. Thank you. 
My God, that's beautiful. Daniel Ramarousson, channeling the great master of the Valley, Rakutuzaf. Radzer says the Valley is Madagascar. A complete history and culture is revealed through the instrument. At the same time, he says that, once again, the history isn't clear. Some trace the instrument to Indonesia, Malaysia or the Philippines. Some say its name comes from the Sanskrit word vadia, meaning musical instrument. But Radzer says, I've turned the page on all that. I'm no longer interested in the history. Everyone recognizes the valley as an instrument of Madagascar. I prefer to record the great players, create new repertoire, and develop new ways to fabricate the instrument. Here's another valley player we met at Radzer's studio. Seta is a truly innovative instrument builder who constructs valley fitted with machine tuning heads, just like a guitar. To see some of Seta's creations, well, visit our Antananarive photo gallery on afropop.org. Amazing stuff, I tell you. These days, Radzer spends a lot of time in the countryside where he says traditional life remains strong. Is launching all sorts of initiatives, like Trees of Life, a program that has young children planting trees so they will feel invested in Madagascar's environmental future. When the studio is fully operational, he wants to record traditional music from all over the island to replace the national radio archives, which were destroyed in a fire during the political unrest of 2009. The groups we recorded were just a taste. Se so siru azumaranga su Fita yanda ke firenge betuku Nininu azulunga fakavu Nidevuli la vita zeru Haikyu te so baketu i baketu Haikyu te so takaru Lavare ake, lavare kenga kyu iza Au, mananani te swangate kwao this vocal trio is called Madefeo. They are singing a gospel song and you can hear the strong influence of Christian church harmony. You also hear the unique lyricism of Highland Malagasy choral singing. Now, here's a very different group we heard that day. Le Mangalib, c'est du rythme qui vient de Fort Dauphin. 
Mais le Mangali, ben, c'est comme le bleu. The singer Angela says the group is playing a rhythm from the southeast of Madagascar, the city of Fort Dauphin. Oh, what a beautiful place. They call it Mangaliba, something like blue freedom, the freedom one finds in the clear blue Malagasy sky. Music from Fort Dauphin, recorded at Razer's studio in Antananarive. Watch Afropop.org for an upcoming podcast, live from 21st Century Tana, with lots more selections from our recordings in this fantastic musical city. When we visited Madagascar, the country had just emerged from a five-year crisis. Its transitional government was not recognized in the West. The economy suffered brutally. Environmental destruction soared. So did poverty. Hadzer says that many of his colleagues opted to live abroad. But he's not leaving. The country needs us, he says. We need to make sure Madagascar's music is heard in the country. As long as that happens, international acceptance will come. Well, as Afropop's Banning Air found out, getting roots music heard in Madagascar's chaotic media environment is not easy. Hop into a taxi in Tana and tell the driver to turn on the radio and you'll get a quick introduction to the problem. Not only will you not hear the beautiful folklore of Radzer's studio, you probably won't even hear Salegi or Tsapik. Mostly, it's a dreary parade of middle-of-the-road Western pop or poor imitations of it. That's Gilbert Haritatouv, former Minister of Culture, Director of National Television, Chief Editor of National Radio, a journalist of 30 years, and more. Gilbert has had a front-row seat to modern political and cultural history in Madagascar. He refers to this penchant for imitation as the weight of history, specifically French colonialism, which in his words sought to destroy our culture, language, and values, replacing them with a morbid mentality that says, if we don't imitate, we won't survive. Heavy indeed is the weight of history. With those grim words in mind, I directed a taxi up Tana's steep cobblestone streets to a location just alongside the former palace of the Marina kings and queens. 
My destination was RLI, a popular radio station where I met rapper and broadcaster Tantel, a radio professional with a decidedly more upbeat view of Tana's music scene. À mon humble avis, on peut pas se passer d'un côté des musiques étrangères, des styles de musique, le jazz, le rock, le blues. Tantel told me that in her view, you can't run away from foreign music, jazz, rock, blues, rap. She basically agrees with Gilbert. Traditional culture is not taught or promoted in Madagascar. Colonialism is probably to blame, but she describes the urge to imitate as a habit, not a morbid mentality. And she finds all sorts of exciting creators on the Tana scene to enthuse over, particularly this guy, Silu. Tantel says Silu is a genius. He plays harmonica, guitar, piano. He's a professor of music. Whenever he plays out, it's always something spectacular. We got to hear Silu at a Tana nice spot called Le Pop. It was part of a showcase Afropop hosted along with Libertalia music. Phenomenal Silu performing live for Afropop and Libertalia music at La Pub in Tana. Historian Pierre Larson makes the point that traditionalists in Madagascar are bound to feel a little alienated these days, given the island's changing demographics. Well, Madagascar, like other parts of the developing world, particularly Africa, which is close, a very high population growth rate, which means that very large proportions of the population are youth, people under 20 years old. You know, brings a real dynamism to the society with youth bouncing off the walls and uh, coming up with different kinds of ideas and certainly various kinds of musics. Including, of course, local hip hop. We met one of Madagascar's most popular rappers, Agrad. 
With his partner Skaze, Agrad has mostly wholesome messages for kids. Stay at school, take care of yourself, keep clean, and be nice to girls. Agrad told us that the duo's biggest audience is young girls. And then there's this song, Ire Siro. Mixing French and Malagasy, these guys are rapping about winners and losers. Winners being politicians and losers being young folks like them. It's fairly tame as rap protest goes, but protest just the same. Agrad grew up in the southwest of Madagascar, in Tuliar, and like so many others, he came to Tana to make it big. And he is big. Agrad and Skaze sometimes play for as many as 20,000 people. Agrad got a start winning a rap contest held by his now producer, Don Smokila. Don lived in France for years, so he knows how big hip-hop can be. But launching a hip-hop label in Madagascar has not been easy. We're not yet considered to be music, he told us. His artists get a little support from a few radio stations, including Radio de Jeune, but mostly, as with other pop artists now, it's video clips released on YouTube and on DVD that really make the difference. Don Smokilla acknowledges the generational issue. He says that older people don't really make an effort to understand hip-hop, but also that a lot of young people don't make the effort to explain it. That will change, he says. This is urban music today. Rock music had the same problem in its time. But I asked Agrad and Don if they ever think of sampling more established forms of Malagasy music. No, no. On prend pas de sample malgache. No, they say they don't use Malagasy samples. And they also don't imitate American rap discourse. It's too vulgar for the modest Malagasy public. Agrad said the only local music he is tempted to incorporate is jazz. He'd love to work with the artist we heard earlier, Silu. Then I wondered if the ongoing turmoil in government has ever tempted them to amp up the politics in the raps. Once again, negative. In Madagascar, it's not like the United States, says Don. If you name a politician in a song, you could go to prison. Besides, 
That's not what the audience wants. À Madagascar, vu à cause de la crise et tout ça, les gens en général, ils veulent pas trop de sermons. Don says Malagasy youth don't want sermons. They want to amuse themselves. You can bring in a message, but you also have to make them laugh. Another top rapper on the scene has proven very good at that. I'm talking about Rabusa. Rabusa, qu'il a réussi élargir son public. Tanta likes Rabusa. He was the first rapper to really break big in Madagascar. What she most admires is that he's his own man doesn't give a damn what other people want him to do. Rap isn't for everybody, she told me. You have to be tough in themes, words, and style. Tantel says Rabusa is not exactly political, but he did rap against politicians during the recent crisis. That took courage, and the song was a hit. Rabusa is a rapper Rabusa told us that he grew up in the ghetto, in Tana, and that society made him a rapper, all the way back in 1997. Malagasy rap started around 91, and early rappers here did inspire Rabusa, but his real role model was an American, Tupac Shakur. Still, from his professional debut in 2002, Rabusa has always rapped in Malagasy. Rabusa says he was born in Madagascar and he'll die here. His main goal is to share songs and messages with young Malagasy. He constantly emphasizes that he grew up in poverty and he never lets his fans forget that, but at the same time, he's a sunny, affable guy. A lot of his songs have the melodious veneer of light jazz and pop, and most are about love. But, as Tantel noted, he's not afraid to get in the faces of politicians. Rabusa says, I tell politicians, you don't like your country. You just want money. You drive around in your 4x4 and drink whiskey while people in the poor neighborhoods have nothing to eat. You are responsible for putting this country in a hole. Rabusa says, politicians, even presidents, listen to his songs. One even tried to co-opt him in a campaign last year. Not a chance, said Rabusa. That would ruin him. The day after our interview, we caught up with Rabusa filming a new video in the garage of a fancy house up in the hills in Tana. Unlike Agrad, Rabusa really is a big fan of Malagasy dance music, Salegi, Basesa, Kilaliki. He looks for ways to incorporate Malagasy musical elements in his songs, but it's tricky. He doesn't think rapping goes well with the triplet rhythms in so much Malagasy music. But the song for this new video breaks ground for Rabusa, tapping into so-called tropical music, closer to contemporary pop on much of the African continent. I'm a 
So that's Tana for you, a city of stark contradictions. Musicians are poor but plentiful, especially roots musicians, though they feel neglected and underappreciated. Meanwhile, a burgeoning youth population is entranced with foreign sounds and expects their stars to imitate them. And music is just a metaphor for the culture at large. Veterans like Gilbert Rahratzatouf talk about a complex among contemporary Malagasy. Ça, c'est un problème des milieux urbains. C'est pas en pleine campagne. Gilbert says this is an urban phenomenon. In the countryside, people go to a Christian church and practice their traditional ancestor veneration without any problem. But in the city, many are ashamed to follow cultural practices surrounding circumcision, death, and even the reburial ceremony known as famadian. That's where the dried bones of an ancestor are removed from a family tomb, rewrapped and returned amid days of celebration. As such traditions fade in Tana, more than just beautiful music is at stake. We're becoming a floating population, says Gilbert, losing ourselves bit by bit. Wow, Banning, man, you're breaking my heart. But listen, we've got a lot more of that beautiful music coming up from Sami, Hans Rossi, and the master of Kilalaki, Tsiliv. You can find much more on Malagasy Music and Culture, including a stunning photo essay of Tana. And subscribe to the Afropop podcast on afropop.org. Don't miss it. I'm Georges Collinet, and you're listening to Afropop Worldwide from PRI, Public Radio International. We are hearing a recording by Tariq Asami, one of the first Malagasy groups ever to tour in Europe and North America. Sami grew up in Tana. His first instrument was a flute, but now he plays guitar, kabosh, vali, harmonica, percussion, and he sings like a dream. A total musician. During our time in Tana, we saw Sami jump on stage to sit in with reggae bands, jazz artists, and pop singers of many sorts. But his real passion is and has always been Malagasy traditional music. After taking the pulse of this vibrant musical city, we asked Sami how the Tana music scene looks to him. Well, as you might guess, it's not a pretty picture. Sami echoes the idea that Madagascar's music scene is controlled by people who have lost touch with their culture. They're only interested in money. They pay radio and television stations to play the music of the artists they produce. Tradition doesn't interest the money men. They want Western variety music, pop, rap, 
For Sammy, it's as though a virus has overtaken the country. Children are not educated to know their real history. For them, the Palace of the Kings and Queens is just a decoration. They don't know Madagascar. This song says people call Madagascar a poor country. It's not. We've just lost sight of its true wealth. C'est ça le problème. Le bagarre entre les chrétiens et les pratiquants des coutumes traditionnelles. Sami links the problems to the struggle between Christianity and Malagasy tradition. Traditions have become distorted and stigmatized. People have lost respect. Respect, Sami says, was once the pillar of Malagasy life. <laughs> Every few days, Sammy would arrive at our hotel, the Sakamanga or the Blue Cat, with three or four musicians for us to speak with and record. And by the way, you can hear some of those recordings uninterrupted on an upcoming Afropop podcast live from 21st Century Tana. One day, Sammy arrived with these two guys, Petit and Dominique. Another day, he came with the amazing Johnny Bass and a singer called Tina. But Sami was especially proud of his protégé from Fianaratsu, a singer named Clara, who composed this gorgeous song, Fali Fali. The lead vocal in this hotel room version is a young man, also from Fianaratsu, called Liva. Sweet stuff. The day we recorded this, Sammy and Clara were fresh from the studio. One thing about Sammy, he records constantly. Somebody needs to start releasing his new music here. Check out the studio version of Fali Fali. Thank you. 
Sammy with Clara on vocal from a brand new CD called Good Culture. Now, some of you will remember that back in the early 1990s, Tarika Sammy included a talented young woman named Ansh and her sister, Noor. Ansh went on to lead her own roots pop group, Tarika. And now, Tarika Bay, or Big Tarika. Here's a track from Tarika Bay's locally produced CD, Tapan Roots. Ansh was performing in New York at B.B. King's nightclub on September 10, 2001, just before 9-11. And after the ordeal of finishing her tour during that crazy time, she decided to stay home for a while. Over the past 13 years, she's been running a cultural center in Tana called Ansho. And that's where we found her on our recent visit. Welcome to Aunt Show. <laughs> You've been here like about 13 years ago, for God's sake. A lot of things have happened. The place is gorgeous. A tall red brick house on the outskirts of town with spectacular views, rooms for guests and a lovely performance hall. Ansh pulled together a fine selection of musicians just for Afropop. It was quite a party. This is one of the first ever Malagasy Art Center. So because of that, I have almost everything. I mean, if people want to do painting uh, show, I do it. If people want to do dance show, I do it. I'd like to do more. But the thing is, when I first started this place, people thought I was mad. I mean, what is this big house for nothing? They don't actually think that it's important. But I keep on going and, you know, every now and then I surprise them. We saw a lot of change in 13 years. Despite all the problems artists face, there seem to be more of them than ever. Struggling like mad, but carrying on. It's remarkable. It's a very small market, but they're all there. It's crammed, it's jammed with a lot of artists. And uh, yes, there are a lot more live music, uh, especially in the last five years, I'd say, during the transitional period of the government. Because basically, people have not much work, so they have more time at home and creating and hang around with other friends and musicians. And so there are more musicians out, traditional musicians and a lot more pop musicians. The hip-hop music scene is big. You know, everything is like grown suddenly. There's something special about the way singers harmonize in Highland Madagascar. It's so distinctive, but it's hard to describe. Maybe how I can explain is probably the origin of the people, the Polynesian ways in there. I learned my music from my mom and dad. 
singing. And if you sing in the house, you are not allowed to sing unless you find a harmony. Say, for example, my dad starts singing, my mom would not join unless she finds a harmony that goes very well with that. And then I would be listening and standing around and wanting to sing, but I can't until I find my own harmony to go with that. Once the Afropa party got rolling at Aunt's show, there was non-stop music. Valley master Daniel Ramaroson kicked things off. the percussionist for Tarika Bay, mixed up Afro-Cuban and Malagasy rhythms on congas. Then Fidi, an amazing singer from Fianaratsu, sang in the Zafandron style. Also played, as did Gary, the Tzapik guitarist Pascal Jean-Emilien broke out his harmonica, Sammy and Clara performed, and Sammy even joined Anch on stage, a first in many years. And in the end, Labusa got on stage for a little ragamuffin rapping. How about that? For all that divides these musicians, it was nice to see them come together and have some fun. You know, a number of people told us that musicians are the key to the future in Madagascar. More and more of them are running for office including Ange. She did not win, but she's not discouraged. In fact, she's proud of the contributions artists are making during these tough times. Artists have really been kind of the pioneer for change. In Madagascar especially, we actually have some kind of power, you know? I mean, we can gather people in a space of no time at all. Whereas politicians, they actually need us to gather people, to listen to them, and sometimes people even come to listen to the artists and not them. When it comes to the power of artists, nothing tops the uniquely Malagasy theater form called Hiragas. Here's an excerpt from an open-air performance Afropop Worldwide recorded in Tana in 2001. Now in 2014, we're pleased to discover that Hiragas is alive and well in Madagascar. 
Here's Spanning Air. Hiragas is a total art form. Music, dance, fashion, theater, literary commentary. Each troupe works up a 90-minute piece for the season, and when there's an event, two troops perform back and forth, and the audience picks a winner. We went to the Ministry of Culture to meet Eric-Claude Rondrianari, an authority on Hiragas. He said that the decisive factor for victory often lies in the words and the message. There's a lot of complexity here, but suffice it to say that these Iragas artists, dressed all in red, a color reserved exclusively for royalty, have license to speak the truth directly and forcefully. Eric-Claude says Iragas artists don't shy from politics. When a new regime comes in, they critique the good and bad of the old regime. They argue and discuss. They say things that others think but dare not say. Eric-Claude says Christians are a particular target of critique in Iragas. That's because Christians often condemn the Famadian, the return of the dead, one of the main occasions at which these troops perform. Eric-Claude estimates there are about 50 Iragas groups that currently tour Madagascar between April and October. They're especially busy during harvest season because that's when there's lots of rice on hand to feed guests at Famadian ceremonies, which can go on for days. Iragas pieces always end with an acrobatic dance performed by a young boy. We're hearing clarinets and drums playing for a dancer we saw back in 2001. This time, Eric Claude introduces to one Rasuluf, now the leader and chief composer for his Hiragas troupe. I thought he looked familiar, and after a few questions, I realized this was the dancer we had seen 13 years ago. Rasuluf surprised us further by telling us that every year he incorporates melodies from a particular popular singer into that season's piece. The singer he so honors is none other than Rossi. Eddie Claude says Rossi has long used Iragas musicians in his stage act. He and his band even dress in those red outfits. This is a bold move for a pop singer, and it was no instant success for Rossi. But in the long run, it has earned him sensational popularity. Clearly, it was time for us to pay Rossi a visit. We made our way along a crowded market street along the edge of Mahmasina Stadium with the Queen's Palace looming on the steep hillside above. Inside the stadium compound, we found Rossi and his band packing for a tour up north, but not before regaling us with a little Rossi-style Iragas. In December 2013, Rossi was elected deputy for the 4th arrondissement of Antananarivo. He's now the equivalent of a member of parliament. Normally, a deputy makes laws and controls the action of the executive, the government. In the deputy assembly, I was elected 
the president of our commission of energy and mines, called and everything. They are very afraid of me. And today I make a scandal. You can read all the newspaper tomorrow. We did read about Rossi's scandal. Basically, he called out the president's party for trying to buy off deputies for corrupt business purposes. When you hear about environmental destruction in Madagascar, this is one way that it happens. Here's Margaret Lou Brown and Pierre Larson. The influence of large international corporations in Madagascar has certainly grown, and it seems that Malagasy people are pretty voiceless in this. They've not had a lot of, of say in what's being done with this. So mining companies, Rio Tinto um, being one of them, the Australian-British conglomerate. And, you know, you don't want to close the borders. And Madagascar tried that. That was not a good idea of a way to run a country and run an economy. The political crisis in Madagascar is closely linked to a fairly free reign of corporations. It's not entirely free, but there's a lot of uh, economic activity going on in Madagascar that is destroying the forests and using other resources of Madagascar that don't bring benefit to uh, most of the people. And also there's a lot of illegal logging that goes on uh, with money going to politicians of various sorts. A climate of standoff and stalemate is very productive for rogue activities of corporations, unfortunately. Enter Rossi in his role as Hiragas orator. Rossi has had his run-ins with a succession of Malagasy presidents, and sometimes it's gotten personal. <laughs> I was in exile for seven years in France. The former president didn't like me too. Ravalumanana hated me. He don't like black people. He think he is white one. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know there are some Malagasy when you talk to them that they're, they're Africans. No, we are not African. Have you have seen me? Do, do I look like an European or what? I have this African speech in my concerts, and they always said it's music of slave. It's slave music. Rossi music is slave music. And I said, yes, of course, I'm very proud. But you know what? For them, the real music for high-class people is jazz. <laughs> well, never mind getting into who created jazz. Rossi's embrace of blackness and slave origins is something bold and new in Madagascar. Pierre Larson says that such discussions do take place in private, but in public, these are fighting words. In Madagascar's politics today, it is quite frequent that politicians from coastal regions remind politicians from highland Madagascar that their forefathers were slave owners, you know, as a way of challenging them on the political scene. And I think it is probably for those reasons that laws have been passed to try and limit speech about slavery, because it often comes up in fairly ugly contexts. Inside his studio, Rossi wanted his band to play for us a style he calls half-green. For him, it's an expression of connection with Africa, the very thing some of his political detractors have used to denigrate him. Rossi was feeling his oats that day after his outburst in the deputy assembly. Basically, he had threatened to resign if he had to be a witness to outright corruption. You know, there are some who say, you are crazy. Why do you shout like this? You are a deputy. 
you have no dignity, shouting and so nervous. That's me, I'm sorry. And all people now call all the raiders. No, we don't want you to quit, you stay. We need Rossi to stay. You gotta stay, man. They need you. <laughs> they need you. <laughs> yeah, but they want to kill me too. Afropop back to Madagascar. Dear listeners, you are listening to Afropop from Madagascar live in Rossi's studio. Oh, thank you, Rossi. And look after yourself. You know, politics is a tough game. Funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from the National Endowment for the Humanities, the National Endowment for the Arts, which believes a great nation deserves great art, and PRI, Public Radio International affiliate stations around the U.S. And thank you for supporting your public radio station. Additional funding for Afropop Worldwide comes from Carnegie Hall, presenting Ubuntu, a celebration of South African art and music, including the November 5th concert by Angelique Kidjo and Friends in a tribute to Miriam Makeba. More info at carnegiehall.org slash South Africa. And from Brooklyn College's Performing Arts Center presenting Bobby Meets Africa in New York on November 1st, featuring Bobby McFerrin improvising with superb artists from Mali and Benin, more information at brooklyncenter.org. Okay, in the moment we have left, let's sample the hottest new pop music in Madagascar today. Kilalaki. <laughs> That's Baganza with an early Kilalaki hit. That quick and lively beat comes from the southwestern branch of a powerful Malagasy ethnic group, the Sakalav. One of the artists most responsible for making Kilalaki a pop sensation is this guy, Tsiliva. All right, that's Tiliva with the 2005 song that broke him as a national star. Tiliva told us the dancing that goes with Kilalaki is crucial. There's a leader and everyone has to follow his moves exactly. There are a lot of stories about this dance. Some say it started as a means of village security. Dancers would surround the village with footprints to trick enemies into thinking there were lots of people around. Il y a aussi une histoire qu'il y avait un roi, donc il voulait avoir un petit garçon. Tsiliva says there's also the story of a king who desperately wanted a son. The day his son was born, he called for a celebration and said, I'm going to dance. Now, the king does not dance. So when his people saw this, they were astonished. They passed behind him, imitating his every move. Il y avait aussi le voleur des Siliva says everyone uses kilalaki in their own way, even cattle thieves. After they steal a cow, they sing and dance to erase the cow's tracks so that no one will follow. Their hasty retreat is also an explanation of the rhythmic panting you hear in kilalaki. Yeah. <laughs> 
great stuff. And we end our tour of 21st Century Tana in Joe's Pub, the best live music dance club in Tana, with Siliva and band on stage in full Kilalaki glory. Siliva, sad Siliva! Thanks to Pierre Larson, Margaret Lou Brown, Victor and Eri Claude Randrianari, and Jonathan Longcore for their help with this program. Thanks also to Radzer, Anch, and the folks at Anch Show. The amazing Sami, Zhao Jovi, Libertalia Music, the Sakamanga Hotel, and everyone else who rolled out the red carpet for us in Tana. Special thanks also to Henry Kaiser and all our Kickstarter backers, and to Morgan Green Street and Jesse Brandt for transcription help. We love you all. Remember, you can also find us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at AfropopWW. My Afropop partner is Sean Barlow. Sean produces our program for World Music Productions. Research and production for this program by Banning Air and Sean Barlow. Our chief audio engineer and co-producer is Michael Jones. Additional engineering by Mike Kaplan and Stephanie Lebeau. Banning Air edits our website, afropop.org. Our producer for new media is Sam Backer. And I'm Georges Collinet. <laughs> R.I. Public Radio International.